Hello, and welcome to episode 122 of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. Caleb and Luke have returned from chasing Purgle, and we are all here to talk about Ahsoka Part 4, titled Fallen Jedi. Before I go any further, it is standard Jedi protocol to say we will be talking spoilers for this episode starting now. I had to get that out of the way early, uh, because guys, I have one thing to say to you, and one thing only, and that's, hello, Snips. Are you serious? Like, what just happened here? I would be a liar if I said I didn't expect it. Um, But still, I mean, with all the stuff, everybody knew that Hayden Christensen was going to be reprising his role as Anakin and all the stuff. I felt like it was only a matter of time. Fourth episode of an eight-episode series. I figured they wouldn't just save it for the very end. Um, I didn't expect them to do it the way they did, though. That definitely caught me off guard, but I did expect to see him. Yeah, I didn't expect it to be like that either. I did not expect Ahsoka to be on the edge of a cliff at any point, and I sure (laughs) as heck did not expect them to be uh, meeting in the world between worlds. Um, so we're starting at the end. We're just, we're just going to do this. Like we're just going to start. Yeah. That's just how we, that's how we roll. Uh, and Luke, to your point, you know, as much as I try to avoid things like stuff happens, right. And you can't avoid tweets and articles and clickbait and all this stuff that's out there like a year or even more than a year ago. Uh, talking about Hayden Hayden Christensen, like I think it was even around the time that Obi Wan Kenobi was uh, was airing, there's reports that Hayden Christensen was going to be reprising his roles as Anakin for Ahsoka. Um, so yeah, like you, I also knew it was like both of you. I knew it was coming, but you know, for me, it didn't it didn't temper the excitement that I experienced when I saw him. I'm I'm like, guys, this is this is Sky Guy and Snips. But in live action, this is Clone Wars in real life in front of us. And like I just I have I have so many things in my brain. There's so many things going on in this like 30 second clip uh, of of the last part of the show. I, I don't even I'm so glad I have it written down in front of me because I don't know I would be able to express it without some kind of a guideline. But first of all, you said it world between worlds. Um, are, is this the world between worlds? Do you guys think that she's actually in the world between worlds? It is right now. Yeah, there's no way it, it's not. It has it's to really, It looks like it, right? I want to understand why, or how, or why, or how, <laughs> or how. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that yes, me too, me too. Um. I, it's just I, I'm just sort of blown away because I remember seeing in the trailer uh, what we now know is the the map, like the dome. When they put yeah. it on that night, sister magic, it sort of becomes this big dome. I remember seeing that in the trailer and thinking, "Oh my gosh, they're in the world between worlds." And then I realized, oh, and further media that came out, like, "Oh no, that actually isn't the world between worlds. It's, that's something else." And we learned that it's the map. So when I sort of reconciled the fact that that wasn't the world between worlds, I sort of said, "Okay, that's cool. We're not going to go to the world between worlds." And then now all of a sudden, we're in the world between worlds. So they um, bait and switched you. 
they did and it and i fell for it hook line and sinker um can i share something with you that i uh, i think it's now starting to gain some traction but right off the bat i don't think i didn't see a lot happening here with this discussion or this topic but do you guys think that this is actually anakin skywalker or could we be looking at something different what do you mean by something different like somebody pretending to be him because i don't think it's that i mean maybe i could see them just spinning it as like a figment of ahsoka's imagination or something but yeah that's sort of what i mean like a force vision or something like that i don't think it is because now i feel like that would be a little cheap you know i i don't think that that would be really genuine to the story you know so you think it is actually Anakin? I do. Okay, Caleb, what do you think? If they're bringing scrolls into the Star Wars universe, I'm turning off the TV. <laughs> You're not over Secret Wars yet. I mean, well, Secret I don't want Invasion. To, I want to see uh, a Star Wars character that has the power of every single Star Wars character <laughs> ever. That doesn't sound appealing to you. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> Okay, the reason I'm asking this is because, you know, the type of person that I am, on my second viewing, I turn on the closed captions because I want to see stuff. I want to see extra stuff. Uh, And the closed captions, when he speaks, when he says hello, Snips, and also the second line he has, which is, I didn't expect to see you so soon, it doesn't say Anakin. It says mysterious voice. Now, am I looking too far into this? 100%. Absolutely. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> but why does it say Anakin? Why doesn't it just say Anakin? Because we watched it an hour after it came out. <laughs> <laughs> if that. I feel like a really smart person watching Mythbusters right now. I'm just thinking like, no, 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 no. It, it's, not, it's not some crazy theory. You're just looking at it wrong. <laughs> Time will tell. We will see. But I, I also have I have other evidence i have not 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 evidence but i have other questions um he's got a lightsaber on his hip did you guys see that no i did notice that Uh, yeah so i don't we don't know how this whole thing works world between worlds uh force ghost are they like actual realized physical beings in the world between worlds i don't know we'll find out but he's got a lightsaber. It's not his lightsaber from pre-Vader. I saw someone on Twitter zoom in and say that that's Vader's lightsaber. But I looked up Vader's lightsaber, and it doesn't look like Vader's lightsaber. So I don't know whose lightsaber that is. Ask um, Hu Yang. We should ask Hu Yang. We, yeah, where are you when we need you? He's just wandering with the ship. Um, but then the biggest thing that leaves this question mark hanging over my head is how the episode ends when it fades to black. They play Darth Vader's theme. Like, I feel yeah. like there's enough Anakin music that exists pre Darth Vader that if they're going to give us a musical cue, uh, they could have dipped into the Anakin well. But no, they play Vader's theme. Do you guys have, like, I don't feel like you guys are, are going conspiracy theorist uh, um, like I am here. You, you guys just think it's. This isn't a bait-and-switch. This isn't a a Vader-Anakin hybrid. Is this just Anakin? 
Um, I would be good with them doing something like, you know, this isn't the classic old master talking to the apprentice who needs guidance in their darkest hour. I would be okay if they did something different, right? Like if that was Vader and there was some sort of malicious intent behind what he's doing or something like that. I think that would be interesting. I think if it was just like a normal old bait and switch or if it was something like, you know, that it was a figment of her imagination, that would lose me in the show. Okay. I would, I would very quickly lose interest in the show because that to me, that would mean like you, you saw the potential in what you could have done, but chose not to do it. Mm. And I think that would really turn me off to the show. Well, I don't know that we're going down that road, so I don't think you have to worry too much about that. I agree, but that's that's sort of why I think that it is that way because I think they know their audience well enough to know that that's not what the story... Not that they should make the story what everybody else wants, but you know they do want the show to be well-received, and I think that everybody's sort of been waiting for this and now that it's here, I don't think that they're going to just pull the rug out from under you, you know? Yeah, and I, I agree with you. It's not going to be some kind of just cheap plot twist or something like that. But I, I guess my point is, like, I'm not so sure we're, we're going to – I don't even know if I want to see, like, just this wonderful reunion between Anakin and, and Ahsoka, right? The last time we saw them was in Clone Wars. Last time we they saw each other. Well, I guess was in Rebels, right? Where he and he was Darth Vader. But previous to that, that's it's when they're on that battleship and she's about to leave for Mandalore and he's about to go back to Coruscant at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. And like that's the last time they see each other. Um, but clearly, like we've seen in the in the show so far, uh, Anakin is a stumbling block for Ahsoka. Like he's he. The, he's causing some like just the whole way that their relationship ended up is causing some type of blockage for her to progress as a person. So I, I sort of feel like we're going to, we have to get some kind of a resolution or I think to, to that of some sort. What what do you think, Caleb? I want to understand why or how or why or how <laughs> I'm very hung up loop. on that. Yes. Because I want to understand what story they're trying to tell. I'm trying to I'm trying to understand if they're trying to like you said stumbling block is she trying to work something out internally or is like force ghost Anakin actually there or what it really means because when we see Ahsoka go into the world between worlds the first time, it's in the middle of a lightsaber battle with Darth Vader, right? So she's saved by Ezra while she's like dueling with her former master, right? Yes, yes. So are they trying to make it something like that or are they trying to just have a, a conversation between Anakin and ahsoka like i just i think it's very cool 
but I want to understand. I'm going to look back a week from today when we're recording our next episode and be like, okay, that was really well done or that was really still confusing because they're mm-hmm. already, no pun intended, expanding the galaxy already by trying mm-hmm. to go get Thrawn and Ezra in a completely different galaxy, which I thought was really cool in the episode was like, even if it's a couple coordinates off, we will be drifting in the void forever. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like it's a bunch of galaxies between this one that we've been introduced to forever and the new one they're going to. It's one small, tiny, one-way road. You don't want to crash and you don't want to miss your, your lane, you know? Yeah. So, so because of that, they're already expanding it in that way and now introducing the world between worlds the way they are. I think it's expanding it in a different, more lore type of way. And I just want to understand and not speculate because I don't want to look dumb. <laughs> well, <laughs> and the fact is, is that even though it's now appeared in two different episodes and two different series, we really don't know anything. Uh, we don't know a, a lot about the world between worlds. And um, we'll, I think we'll sort of get more into um, maybe how she got there and that kind of stuff in a, from a, diff, a couple different points in this episode. But um, I, there was one last piece of evidence that may support this not being a straight up traditional Anakin Skywalker. And it was this, this piece of information came to me in the, from the most unlikely of sources. And you guys know, Dr. Greg Cass, a very good friend of the, of the show. Um, he was he was just mentioning you know this afternoon in our in a text thread that we have with a bunch of my good star wars friends that his 8-year-old son henry when they watched the episode together he said to his dad henry said this um wow we've never seen this before and when greg asked him what haven't we seen he said when anakin looks like this he has a scar so think about like how he's dressed. Think about his that's his hair. Point. Yeah, that's good. isn't that an incredible observation? So I'm not trying to argue with an eight year old, but I'm pretty sure he had a scar on his left eye. He didn't. Are you sure? I'm positive. I've watched the episode no less than four times, and I've seen stills and screenshots. He has no scar. Interesting. So either it is a huge oversight, <laughs> or it is a um. Another little uh, tip of the hat to maybe something else is happening. Well, when you see him in Return of the Jedi, he also is Anakin and no longer Darth Vader. And he's got his pretty long hair. His face isn't burnt off. So, you know, maybe some of that those <laughs> spa days have been coming through. So what you're saying is that he's had some... Um, some very good healing in the netherworld of the force after, after the afterlife or some cosmetics. Yeah. Yeah. I think he started to invest in some really good face masks and skincare routines. Either way. I'm very impressed with, with Henry's observation because I've consumed Luke, hold that thought. Don't miss, don't listen. Don't, um, don't lose it. But I've consumed a whole lot of Ahsoka information over the last like 48 hours, like no less than three hours of podcasts and articles and tweets and all this stuff. And not one person mentioned that. So hats off to you, Henry. We will keep our eye on your, on your future because great things are coming. 
so thank you, Cass family. Luke, Common what were you going to say? I was going to say, speaking of unconventional ways, this is like a little bit satire. I think like 10% satire, like 90% true. I remember when I would play the Lego Star Wars video games. I kept thinking about the force ghosts in that because I want to know, like, is, is the way that they act with other people canon? Because they just walk around with other people and nobody sees them, <laughs> but they can like interact with stuff. You know, if they wanted to, they could slice something in half. Like, so, you know, are we, we going to see uh ghost Anakin walking around slicing people in half in the, <laughs> when they go to Thrawn? Because I already, I already have my theories as to how they're going to get to Ezra and Thrawn. Um, but I'll, I'll keep those to myself so I don't, you know, put anything in anybody else's head. But I want to know how Anakin is going to play into this. Is he just going to be some advice to Ahsoka and sort of like, like you mentioned, rekindle the past and help her get over whatever roadblock she has? Or is he going to play a bigger part in this? Yeah, I don't know. But I'm excited to find out because I'm just every episode of this show uh, just sort of hooks me further in and further in and further in. And and I'm just this this episode has just put me over the moon. Um, (laughs) I just uh, I can't get enough of it, um, to be quite honest. So unless there's any final thoughts on the whole world between world Anakin thing, Let's get into the episode proper. Caleb, did you have anything you wanted to share to close this this, this Anakin Ahsoka discussion out? Besides how and why and who and where? <laughs> I, if I could come up with any more one-word questions, I would. But I have a question for you since you most recently watched Rebels. When, they, when you see the world between worlds, you get to see the history behind it with the sort of good and evil, the brother sister and the father right or is that in oh that's it's it's both um the mortis arc you have the the father the brother and sister but then that's the art that they use to decipher how to get into the world between worlds okay so not the art but the actual people were they able okay uh were they able to manipulate their like their perception were they able to take on different forms uh, yeah, the sun di- changed into like this big monster with with huge wings quite a bit. I that remember part. that. And then the this the 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 daughter, um, I believe the daughter shifted into Morai. At least Morai the owl began to appear after she, uh, the the daughter saved uh, gave up her life force to save Ahsoka. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe mm. it's not Anakin. Maybe it's the bad peeps. Well, see, and that's that goes all the way back to like the Mortis arc is a perfect example of this. The the Force makes things happen. Like the people think that it's real in front of them. There's some really trippy things that the Force does that makes people think it's it's actually happening in front of them. So. Yeah. Um, 
that's definitely an option here. And I, I don't know. And like I said, it really doesn't even matter too much to me, except for the fact that we have Hayden Christensen back, which I'm thrilled about because we got, uh, we got him in Obi-Wan series. Now I just love the fact that he's involved and however this turns out story wise, um, you know, who's behind this whole series is Dave Filoni. And every time I see something new from Dave Filoni, I just, I just reiterate, like, I, I believe in Dave, <laughs> like I believe in Dave. He's, I trust we, we, in Dave, we trust. Right. So, um, you know what we haven't even entertained the, any other part of the episode, except for the <laughs> 30 second scene, which we've talked about for 20 minutes. Maybe Ahsoka is dead, and maybe this is her last thing before she's officially just down for the count. That's a whole other thread of <laughs> theories that is going around. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how she got to the world between worlds. Did somebody pull her in from a portal? Did Anakin pull him pull her in from a portal? Hmm? Right. I don't know. That would be Ezra. Did oh, what? Right. I mean, how did the only way that we knew how to get into the world between worlds was through that ancient Jedi temple on Lothal, which was destroyed. That doesn't mean that there's not other places to get into it. It's just fascinating. The yeah. fact that they even brought it into this story is just fascinating to me. So, um, go ahead. the last thing I'll say about that is to your point, it is very fascinating that they brought it in, and I think it's a very slippery slope. I've said this with all sorts of different stuff like time travel and other things. Anything that works as a get out of jail free card, I think is very difficult to pull off, particularly in live action. Sure. Because it's very, you have such a constricted time frame and it's very difficult to tell a story like that without it just being like, Oh yeah, it is that way because it is that way. Get over it, you know. Um, yeah, and I don't take issue with us only having seen the world between worlds twice, and both of those times that including that including Ahsoka. But I do think that it shouldn't become a thing where I don't want it to get to the point where people are like. Oh, my favorite character died. I want them to go to the world between worlds and pull them out. Yeah. That shouldn't be a thing. I think this this needs to be as mysterious as possible while still making it very clear as to why Ahsoka is there. I agree with everything that you're saying. It can't be used as a like you called it, a get out of jail free card. It, it can't be a cheap um you know, oh, we messed up. Let's go. Uh, what is it called? Retcon something. But I, I feel that we don't even need to look any further than that first episode of Rebels with the world between worlds, because in that very episode that they introduced it, they already showed restraint with its usage. Like the moments after Ezra pulls uh, Ahsoka out of that portal, saves her life from Vader. Where do they go? They go and they see Kanan who had just lost his life like the previous episode and Ezra is tempted to save him, but they show, no, 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 no. This is not just a thing you can do anytime. Cause if you take him out of that scenario, then Ezra and I believe it's Sabine and Hera 
will be blown up because Kanan sacrificed his life. Um, so they already showed like, no, we're going to use restraint with this and it's not just going to be used willy nilly. So that's encouraging to me. So I hope it's encouraging to you as well. Um, but honestly, after I was processing this episode, like the next day, I thought to myself, you know, we didn't even need this scene for it to be an incredible episode. In my opinion, this is top notch. And we've spent a whole lot of time talking about this one scene that I think is magnificent, but there's so much more to be said. So what did, give me your general thoughts on the episode, you know, aside from the whole last 30 seconds that we just talked about for almost half an hour. (laughs) Um, what were you, what did you think about the episode in general? Luke, let's go with you. I thought it was a good episode. I thought the fighting was great. Um, I loved the fact that we got to see droid on droid fights because we don't see those enough. Yeah. I'm always a big fan of droid on droid fights. They still, I stand by one of the best fight scenes in Star Wars is in the Clone Wars where R2 fights off that other astromech unit and then it like drop R2 drops it off a cliff. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> I did like the the dialogue between Ahsoka and Balin. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was probably my favorite part of the episode. I did take issue with the fact that Ahsoka lost to Balin when you consider how many legends she has beaten in hand-to-hand combat. Like, in okay. you know, you could say whatever, she's older, she might not be in her prime anymore. But I don't really buy that when she beat Maul, she stood her ground with Anakin, she was like, you know, she's built up to be this tremendous Jedi, and I don't like the fact that she lost to Balin, which might not be fair, but still. Um, that's an interesting point, and, and I do have thoughts on it, and we'll get to that, because I, I think we're going to be talking a lot about that scene. Uh so just help me remember to circle back and talk specifically about my thoughts on that. But Caleb, what about you? What were your general thoughts for the episode? I really liked Balin overall. I think he may have been my favorite person in the episode just because you learn a lot, but also have a lot of questions with a lot of things he says. Like he has a tremendous amount of respect for Ahsoka, but you don't really know why. You don't understand Mm-hmm. If there's a history between the two of them or if there's just a history based off like association with Anakin or something along those lines. And even more questions are raised when they're literally talking to each other. So I don't know. I just like characters like that. He seems like I was I couldn't help but just fixate on the color of their lightsabers since we talked about it last time and how they're not red. Mm-hmm. And they really aren't. But he just seems to have a very big tinge of goodness inside of him i don't understand it yeah i'm there with you he's he's a fascinating character the he and shen both are just so interesting um i was i don't know if i can really explain it i think it was the the music and the tone from the very beginning of the episode i was just tense through this entire episode like you you can um you know, Luke can give you a front row seat of how I was because we were watching it together and, and mom was right there with us. And like, if I was a nail biter, I would literally have been biting my nails through this whole, through this whole episode. And, um, I think it had to do a lot with the music, the setting, like that planet, that forest that they were in, it was creepy. Um, I felt so uneasy through the whole thing. Uh, I thought the sound in this episode was 
top notch. Like it was so incredible for me. The lightsabers were the stars of the episode. Like I even said out loud at one point, Oh, the lightsabers sound so good. And it was, it was during the Sabine Shin fight. Like they were just crackling and they, they started to mix in some of the older, uh, what I, what I recognize is like the older lightsaber sounds from the original trilogy, which I thought was such a cool uh, touch. Um, the force, when the force is being used, you hear like this whooshing sound. And when it's a dark side user, it's sort of like this menacing whoosh uh, where, you know, it's just you you don't need to see what's happening on the screen. You can hear it's a problem. Um, and just the music, the music from the from the get go all the way throughout. Kevin Kiner is just he's just outdoing himself every episode. Um, and then. The director of this episode, his name is Peter Ramsey. He actually co-directed Into the Spider-Verse and an episode in Mandalorian Season 3. I just thought that he did such a great job, again, with like this deliberate and slow pacing to build tension and unease. And one of my favorite shots was... um, when the eye of Scion, because it was lower down at one point, and then yeah. once they got the the calculations, it rose up out of the clouds. Oh, I thought that shot was like it reminded me of Rogue One, and Rogue One is a beautiful movie. That was just an incredible shot. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. The overall, it wasn't necessarily like a sensory overload, but they definitely pushed it because of how intense and how impactful certain visuals and sounds were so i'm right there with you one of the things that i really liked in the dialogue was jason's line i he he goes i've got a bad feeling and to me it's more than just a feeling it's it's his like force ability you haven't been confirmed or one way or the other but just him and the timing of like in the placement that they used it it could be a number of different things that he has a bad feeling about uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I immediately thought of, you know, the, the, um, they had just been, you know, when the eye hits hyper, hyperspace and, and it just shoots out. And then, of course, you know, there's some, a couple X-wings go down in flames. The ghost survives. Carson Tivo, who we'll talk about in a second, survives. And another X-wing survive. And then, yeah, Jason says, I've got a bad feeling. I almost I immediately thought of Sabine. Uh, he had just seen, you know, this this whole thing happen, and his life was in danger. I don't feel like he had a bad feeling about that. His bad feeling was, that I feel like he knows that Sabine was on that ship, and that she is now gone and in danger. So that's sort of how I took it because of his what we're hoping is like his connection to the force. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good call. Um, you mentioned the action. Both of you guys mentioned the action already in the droid fight. I was so worried about who Yang at the beginning. Like, I, I think did, do you guys remember in that episode in the clone wars where we're introduced to him? I know they got attacked by Hondo and his pirates, but I don't remember him fighting. Um, so I was just afraid that he was like this frail droid. Do you remember Luke? I remember him like crawling through the vents and stuff. And then when they got caught, he was just like, oh, well, we're caught. (laughs) And I would have thought the same thing had it not been for Jedi Fallen Order, where there is a female Hu Yang droid. And she had been like trapped in this, like, like they're on this planet. And he's trying, or, the droid's objective is to get this key 
off planet because like the moon was going to crash into the planet or something. It was kind of a weird story arc. But she had been trapped there for like a thousand years or something. Mm. And she like popped up and needed to get repaired and everything. But once she's repaired, she was like actually helpful, like fighting stuff off and could hold her own. So when I saw Hu Yang about to get into it, I was like, okay, they know how to hold their own. Oh, I wish I had known because I was so nervous for him the whole time. I thought, like, for sure, this is going to be the end of Hu Yang, and I wasn't ready for that. So I was so happy when I started to see him engage. And, like, that first time he got hit, it, like, didn't, you know, didn't phase him too bad. He was able to recover real quick. Uh, and I thought that was great. Um, so, yeah, that, that whole sequence with, like, Sabine coming out, you know, shooting her blasters and, and Ahsoka prepared with her with her sabers. Uh, and, you know, Ahsoka's, like, force-pulling people in front of other people while she's still got a lightsaber stuck through somebody's face. Uh, the, the whole thing, I thought, was just real thrilling. And I especially loved the fight with uh, Maroc, uh, Ahsoka v. Maroc. And um, for the, there's two points I wanted to bring up with the so- Ahsoka versus Maroc. First of all, the discourse around Maroc for the past three weeks has been, who is he? Right, I I don't care who he was, who he is. I just thought he was a cool character. Uh, you know, for, we talked about this already, but people were sort of going crazy about who is who is uh, Maroc. Well, we now know these are my words. He's a cautionary tale, and he's a cautionary tale to people not to fall in love with their wild ideas <laughs> because he ended up being Maroc. That's who he was, and maybe a reanimated type of under Night Sister magic type of thing because when he gets sliced that the the green sort of gas comes out of him um, but people were like starting to spin these tall tales about oh it's Ezra I heard people talk about oh it's Barris Offy uh, from the Clone Wars um, some people wanted it to be Star Killer who is uh, a, a, a character from 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 a video game and then I even heard somebody talk about <laughs> that that it was Jason Sandula who had returned from the future <laughs> and was in this suit and i'm like i I, you know it's fine if you want to speculate and you want to enjoy yourself doing that that's great but just don't fall in love with your theories because it's wrong (laughs) i was so glad that he died there because with it died all those other theories and everything i was (laughs) uh, i was so glad to see him just get that green gas sucked out of him and I'm honestly the- so glad to be a casual, I, maybe a little bit more than a casual Star Wars fan, but still able to talk about it because I didn't see any of those. I didn't speculate yeah. in any of those. I just hear from you guys. I'm like, man, people are crazy. Oh, people people love to go go nuts with that. Um, not me. Uh, the other thing was just the fight itself, which I thought was was really cool. You know, because she goes full Obi Wan versus Maul, right? Just that yeah. one quick slice, that one quick strike. I loved it. That's exactly my thought when it happened too. And then she just goes and is like, all right, what's next? Yeah. And she was so intense. Like she, she first of all, she doesn't even pull out both lightsabers. She's just going with the one, one saber, uh, way to go. And, you know, she's like, come on, buddy, you know, you, you did pretty good back on Corellia, but I really need to get to this map. So I'm just going to take care of business. Um, I also, I also found out something this, sort of like this base that the bad guys have been hanging out on uh, with the, like the stone columns and this thing that they keep putting the map on. So it's called a hinge. And 
we've been introduced to a hinge before and it's actually sort of like i think the official term is a force hinge because a, a force hinge is um is where mando took grogu on tython when he was going to reach out through the force to try to call out to any jedi that was also like an old temple right and uh, ahsoka tells him in that episode or previous episode that it was got a strong connection to the force well this this location on Cetos is also a hinge uh and um i don't know if that has anything to do with the world between worlds we don't have to go backwards if you guys don't want to but it's very possible but the, yeah i just thought it was interesting that this is an old ancient temple that has a strong connection to the force so when we see like Balin and Shin there, they're talking to Morgan. And I thought, you know, this is sort of a, like a highlight of Balin for me when she asks him, you know, because uh, Balin wants to send Shin to go delay uh, Ahsoka. Uh, she says, is that fear I hear in your voice? And he's just like one word answer. He's experience. He's, you know, he's all, you know, he's all business. Right. So, um, that you know that's that's how they get uh their sabers crossed right with Maroke and um and and shin so uh anyway that's that's the, the action set of it i thought that was a, a super cool part the, the action in this whole thing was fantastic but i did want to also say something about the ghost um we talked a little bit about jason sandula but uh we got the live action ghost like it's yeah. flying right they're hitting hyperspace what did you guys think Loved it. I love to see the ghost in any capacity, and I think it's great how accurate it is from uh, animated to live action. I was so happy to see it, and I wanted to see the Phantom too, like for no reason either, like just <laughs> just to see it. You want to see Chopper just hop in the Phantom too, and 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 do something too? Because why not? <laughs> well we got a little yeah. bit of phantom too in the first couple episodes but um who knows we might see it some more uh one of the things i thought was cool was carson tiva we mentioned him carson tiva is from the mandalorian he's the uh he was oh gosh he's been in the mandalorian so much i can't even you know he was the one that was trying to warn the new republic that there's something going on and i think it was that third episode of of mando he was the one that tracked down Mando in the first season when he was getting attacked by those nasty ice spiders. Uh, and him and Dave Filoni were sort of wingmen, and he, he's had some interactions just said with Mando. He was the Star Wars nerd who finessed his way into Star Wars itself. Yeah, he's the Star Wars nerd that finessed his way into Star Wars. There you go. I know what you're talking about. So when I saw him, I'm just like, okay, so this is going to be a real deep cut, and I'd love to know if you guys uh, follow me on this. He's like the Claire Temple in the MCU shows on Netflix, who just happens to be Rosario Dawson. You guys remember Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, The Defenders. There's a nurse in that in that in those series on Netflix. Her name is Claire, and she had, she's in every single one of those shows, and she's played by Rosario Dawson. Did, did Caleb? Did you watch those uh, MCU shows? Or I'm not. They weren't MCU shows. There was a Marvel shows on Netflix. Did you watch those? The, I pretty much only watched them when Luke had them on the, on in the TV, and I'd be walking through the living room or something. But I don't think I watched enough to know who you're talking about. Well, you should watch the Daredevil ones because I know you love Daredevil. Luke, did you watch? Did you remember uh, Claire? Yeah, I these them. shows. Yeah. I Do you remember Claire? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. She like told Daredevil how to properly torture somebody. <laughs> she did at one point, yeah. But she's like this nurse, and she's in because they all take place in New York City. She gets mixed up with basically every one of these these heroes. And to me, this is like the this is Carson Tiva. He's the connective tissue between all these shows and storylines because he's popping up everywhere. And I sort of tweeted that, like I I tweeted. Uh, his, his Twitter handle is hilarious, by the way, it's at bitter Asian dude. And, um, I tweeted and I said, Hey, Carson Tiva is the connect is the glue that holds the galaxy together. And I tagged him in it and he liked it. He liked our tweet. Very nice. You're famous. So, yeah. No, you guys are famous. What were we going to say, Luke? No, it's just, it's, that's classic him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a fan. That's super cool. Um, all right, so let's talk about Balin and Ahsoka because this is this is big. This is a big deal. Like you guys clearly are interested in Balin. Uh, for my money, this guy's he's a master manipulator, and I know and I see what you guys are talking about with like this hint or this twinge of of kindness or empathy. So, there's something good in him, it seems, but he also is just cunning and he's he 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 calculates his words you know when when ahsoka comes walking up and he's waiting to defend the map he goes right in like he's using he throws anakin's name out there uh he he uses the abandoned word you know he's trying to rattle her he's trying to get under her skin and you know he she comes back at him with like i'm not here to discuss my past um but like just give me your thoughts. What did you guys think about this scene here? The fight, the the discourse, the discussion between him and, and Ahsoka. Uh, what did you think about this this whole, how things played out there? I am a big fan of Balin already. I like what he brings to the table. Um, I liked, this was like the first time where I, I liked Sabine for like a second and then it made me dislike her even more because mm. it was like like seriously again we're doing this again or you can just yeah, you know, we got to talk about that we got to talk about that I have thoughts please continue it's like okay you already lost the map now they got to go get it back and now the map's in your hands again and they still don't destroy it you know I, I know it's a redemption story for her and everything but come on, girl. Like you got to help me out somewhere. You got to give me something to work with. So you're upset because she handed over the map. I'm not upset because it means that we're gonna keep getting more of this story, and I know that it had to happen. But it just adds to the narrative to me of her just being useless. Interesting. I, I think uh, I don't think she has helped at all in this show yet. I mean, I, I know don't she think figured she's out supposed to help. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I'm sure she will at some point. But still, like I, I have a hard, I have a hard time justifying. Like, okay, yeah, you figure out how to open the map, but then you give the map to the bad guys, and then you can't use the force, and you lose your fight to the, the cool emo lady with bangs, like I. <laughs> I, just, I keep going back to like, come on, girl. Give me something to work with here. 
Um, well, let's talk about something to work with because you mentioned the fight with her and Shin Hati. Uh, when, you know, she gets forced pushed against a tree, she loses her helmet. Um, and then, you know, she recovers from that, but then she dodges and she reaches out and she tries, it seems like she tries to use the force and Shin looks at her and like menacingly, right. And says, you have no power. Uh, and then she rockets her right in the hand and disarms her and uh, of her saber. Like that's, that's pretty rock star. I'm sorry. That that's, that's very that cool. That was cool. I like that. So are, do you think that you're more along the, like let Sabine be a Mandalorian because she's a rock star warrior as a Mandalorian rather than trying to bring her on board as like a force user? I am. Because you already have your Mandalorian Force user than Grogu. Sabine, uh, <laughs> sorry, you're not Grogu. Can't beat Grogu. <laughs> but uh, I uh. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm just hating on her because, you know, whatever reason. I just think that in a, in a show that is tied into so many other things that have so many cool implications. I feel like you gotta, you gotta carry your own weight a little bit more, especially like she played, she was so important in rebels and she helped so much. If it wasn't for her, I mean, she was probably one of the most valuable characters in rebels. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, she got them out of so many different situations and now you're telling me like 10, 15 years later, she's like probably regressed to be honest. Okay. So let's pause there because I think that's a, an important point. So, but I want to pause. And I want to come dad, back to that. So, but, but first, before we do that, I want to hear Caleb, Caleb, what were your, what were your thoughts on the, the Balin conversation and fight with Ahsoka before we get to some meaty stuff, I think between, Sabine and Ahsoka. What were your thoughts, Caleb? I think you hit the nail on the head when you say he's a master manipulator. But there's mind games and there's physical games, right? There's always two different ways to go about a battle. And I think he's using his resource of his his manipulative tongue to try and give himself a sort of competitive edge over Ahsoka, who he very obviously knows is a solid or more than solid adversary, you know? So mm-hmm. I think him trying to use his words to get under her skin and get that advantage don't make him evil, but it does make him bad. But he's probably more in terms of self-preservation than for, like, trying to kill her or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I like Balin because he's bad and he's really good at being bad, but he does have that tinge of like a, not necessarily goodness, but the moral compass, if you will. I don't think he's going to do anything evil, not to say he's not, but I don't know. I, I like it because they're two very intellectually powerful people, but mm-hmm. also very skilled in, in their craft. I think he represents a point of view that is extremely interesting and it forces us to shift our point of view. And it, and when he says words like um, your legacy, like your master's is of death and destruction, he says that to Ahsoka. 
like Ahsoka is my favorite Star Wars character. She, I compare her to like the Steve Rogers of of the Star Wars galaxy. She does what is right. She helps where she can help. She helps people that need help. And here's this man telling her your legacy is death and destruction. And then right before she goes over the side, he looks at he looks at her and says, "It didn't have to come to this, but you know no other way." Like she's the one that's seeking out violence. And I think that that is an incredible point of view. And I want to know why and how he came to this point of view. It's so interesting to me. If I can add to that, I don't even know if it's targeted at Ahsoka. I think it's more targeted toward the Jedi Order. Sure. Like sure. He is taking his frustrations that he has on the Jedi Order on her. That, you know, to... To him, she is the Jedi Order and everything that could have betrayed him and made him leave the Jedi Order and become a dark Jedi or whatever he is. And I think that that's a really cool way of looking at it because it adds so many different... It adds so much more pressure to Ahsoka because, like you said, she is the Steve Rogers of Star Wars where she is always doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. But... Now she's not just fighting for herself or Ezra, but she's fighting for her way of life and to show that, you know, the Jedi weren't wrong. I think that there's also something there. The more, the more I watch the show, the more I see that there, there is something off about her. Um, And it's fine. And I have no problem with it. I do think that she's got some, like we talked about with Anakin, there's, there's something that's a roadblock to her, something that she needs to get past. We don't, we, we got a little bit of a hint of what happened between, um, you know, the last part of rebels and the first part of this, uh, the next time we see her, which would be in the Mandalorian season two, uh, and, and we're going to get into that right now, but you know, she is, she is the one that takes out her saber first. She attacks, uh, Balin, right? This is it's not necessarily very Ahsoka ish and not a Jedi either, but she is not a traditional Jedi. So I, I, I'm so interested in what's going on with Ahsoka and I can't wait to see what happens, how it's resolved, because it's very, very interesting to me. Um, the thing with Balin and we see it again when he when he confronts Sabine. And this is here we're going to get back to the crux of of what you were saying, Luke, about her giving up the map. What he says, his words when he when he says what he's saying, he's creating doubt in people, right? When he's bringing up Anakin, abandonment, um, legacy, death, destruction, he also does the same thing with Sabine. So we find out because of him. And he seems that he's able to like sense people's feelings and past, right? Did you guys get that too? Like where he closed his eyes and sort of like felt for a second. And then he's like, he knew things about Sabine. Like that's very interesting to me too. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if that was like just him doing his research kind of thing or if him just having the ability to tell by just looking at somebody. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about the force is like you can have different, like, you can experience it in different ways. Right. So maybe this is just like his gift. Um, he says, he says to Sabine and I don't know, I just, I sort of felt like I got punched right in the gut when he said this to her, 
He said, your family died on Mandalore because your master didn't trust you. Yeah, that's rough. And then he, so he reminds her of her isolation. She just lost Ahsoka. She seemingly thought, she, she thinks Ahsoka, she's over the, the the cliff, right? She's just lost her. Then he reminds her, oh yeah, your former master. He keeps calling her your former master. Uh, because of her, you've lost your family. And your only family left, you feel, is Ezra Bridger. We have a common goal. He's just manipulating her. And he he says, give me the map, and I promise you can come willingly, and nothing's bad, nothing bad will happen to you. Um, he, he even says it. He says these words, do it for Ezra. Like, he just got her on a string. But here's the thing. And, Luke, this is where you were disappointed. Before I give you my opinion, Caleb, what did you think about the whole Sabine giving up the map? Um, given the circumstances, do you think what she did was right? What's your opinion of that plot point? I definitely think that Balin wins the Battle of Wits and gets his way just with his words. And I think she is easy to succumb to his words because she feels like there's no other option. I think she's playing like pros and cons game in her brain, trying to decide, okay, my master is no longer here. Like if she had, if she was force wielding, she'd maybe try and sense her or something like that. Right. But um, she's just trying to see what is best for the long term. I don't think she understands the magnitude of bad that Thrawn is capable of bringing back based mm-hmm. off of the the dialogue that we get to see just between the bad guys in the show. Um, but I don't necessarily have that much of an issue with it in terms of the plot point. I just wish she had made a different decision. But that's just a personal preference. When that was playing out... I actually, I was like having flashbacks in my brain to season three and season four of, of Rebels. Because how many times have we seen Sabine and Ezra take charge? They came from being the younger crew members to really taking a leadership role yeah. on the on the ghost uh, and the, and doing things that they probably shouldn't have been doing and coming out of it on top. And I don't know, in in my mind, when she is faced with the decision to destroy the map and leave Ezra stranded or follow this through and get to Ezra knowing that they could be reunited and that the two of them are a formidable duo, Yeah, the words that he said to her in the last episode of Rebels rang in my head, and I feel like they did in her too. And it's when Ezra said, I'm counting on you. Yeah, But he never told her what he was counting on her for. She even says it at the end, like, you're counting on me. You're counting on me, but what are you counting on me for? That still stays with her. Even though the time has passed, like 10 years has has passed, she has suffered, clearly she's suffered, um, the loss of her family on Mandalore, but she still feels like Ezra is counting on her. And I just feel like she has the faith in him and and herself 
to follow this through and get back with him. You guys understand the implication of what he's saying about losing her family, right? Like, at the end of Rebels, her family is alive. Her family is alive on Mandalore at the end of Rebels. But now they're dead. So this is where we get the story that we've learned through Mando, you know, the, the whole Moff Gideon stuff and the, the night of the thousand tears and the whole Bo-Katan debacle about, you know, her thinking they would do the empire on Mandalore. Like the empire destroyed Sabine's family. We just found out like, this was news to me, right? This is new information. Um, So now we know like she is alone. She doesn't have um, people to go back to. The only person that she's got left is Ezra and she's banking on their abilities to come out on top. Like they did so many times before um, the, the whole civil war thing. And I don't know, to me, that seems, that seems very profound. Um, and in that sense, giving these circumstances, I think she did the right thing. Yeah. I think you made a good point and made me think like, Mandalorians, they're strategists, you know, they're very strategic. So even if she's making a decision based off of maybe fear or manipulation, a part of her still may be trying to use the best strategy to have numbers. Well, she's one. There's another one waiting on the other side. Put them together. They're more of a a tag team than if she were to just have destroyed it and then been stuck surrounded by everybody that's trying to kill her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we have a, what do we have? We have three different answers. Luke, you, you don't think she did the right thing. You're not happy with her decision. For the sake of the plot to progress, I am happy with it, but objectively, no, I think she made the wrong decision. And then Caleb, where did you end up coming down on it? Um, understanding it, but not necessarily agreeing with it. Okay, and I straight up think that she she has a reason for doing what she did, and I and I think that it was the right thing. So one of the things that I've learned is that we can put a like a Q and A on our um, podcast episodes. So if you listen to it, I believe I believe it's on. If you listen to it on Spotify, um, when you go into the episode, scroll down and see, and there'll be an an, an opportunity for you to answer a question. Uh, and I'm going to put this in there because I'd love to hear what the people listening to us feel about this. So we're going to put that. So keep your eye out for it. Uh, given the circumstances, uh, did, did Sabine do the right thing by giving up the map? Um, so check that out. And I'd love to hear. And, and if uh, any of you guys go ahead and do that, we'll make sure to share your thoughts on the next episode uh, because we want to know what you guys think too. Um, there's also some options to put some poll questions in there. So you may uh, start checking it out and see if you see these popping up because we're going to try to involve um, those things, those tools to um, just continue to create and build our community because we want to hear what you guys have to say. Um, well, look, like let's do our final thoughts I have I have some final thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts on this episode, uh, but we've talked about a lot of things. Was there anything that we didn't quite get to that you guys wanted to bring up um, before before we end the uh, the show? I was just going to bring up the Jason Sandula. I've got a bad feeling, mm-hmm. and I'm glad you guys brought it up because that was awesome. I would love to have a little 
Kanan running around. Yeah. I love Jason. I, I love that kid. Go ahead. I, uh, I can't believe people thought that he would come back and be bad. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He would time travel back and become a, a masked stranger with an inquisitor's lightsaber. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. So here are my final thoughts. And I just got I just, to me, this episode is a powerhouse. You know, it, it's a, uh, it's really for me. It's a it's a legacy episode of Star Wars. There are so many different things that it ties into the whole lore of of this galaxy. Uh, and feel free if there's anything you guys want to add to this, as I say it, please feel free to just tell me to stop talking and say it. But I'm so excited for what this is turning into. I love the fact that this is a, a part of something bigger. You know, we've got how it ties into the Mandalorian. There's a show called Skeleton Crew that I believe it's supposed to tie into this whole thing, too. I know that it's going towards a movie. Dave Filoni is going to have a movie with all these characters, and it's going to sort of be a culmination of it. Uh, I love the fact that this could potentially at some point, what if it starts to run concurrently with the sequel trilogy, right? We've already seen Dave Filoni is a master at, at sort of mixing stories when we saw the season seven of the clone wars started to run into revenge of the sith that was magnificent what if we're gonna something like that i mean the ideas that they're putting together and the characters that they're putting into play i have no idea where this is going but i just know that dave filoni does and it makes me so happy for the future of star wars um i'm Week by week, it's so much fun to experience just the conversation around this show. The the it's been overwhelmingly positive and exciting. And for the Star Wars fandom, it's not always like that. And I just hear so many uh, positive things. And to be able to share it with you guys and talk about it is just a really incredible time to be a Star Wars fan. So um, this is all you know, super exciting. I, I know that Mando. Season one was like a worldwide phenomenon. I sort of feel like this is taking the ball and running with it. I think I really feel like this is going to be something incredible. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but in next week's episode, episode five, they're releasing it in select theaters in like 10 different cities across the country. And they're right. going, it's free. Yeah, you could go on. I think they tweeted it out today. You can go on and you can reserve your, your seats. I think they're all booked. They're all gone. But you can put yourself on a waiting list. They're free of charge. It, there's no charge. And it's going to be in like 10 different movie theaters across the country. And they're going to release it at 5 p.m. Pacific, an hour before the actual episode drops on, on Disney+. Plus. It is also written and directed by Dave Filoni, this next episode. Huh. The fact that you put all that those facts together, and um, I think we're in for a real treat. I really think that next week we're in for a real treat, and and I can't wait. I'm excited. I'm super excited about it. Um, so yeah, those 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 really are my final thoughts, and I'm just really enjoying the show and enjoying talking to you guys about it and enjoying just the entire experience. So, um, you guys got anything else before we call it an episode? I think if it's going to be in select theaters for that one episode, we are in for a wild ride. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, All right. Well, that's going to do it. Then I I am going to 
close out the uh, the hyperdrive and uh, and we're gonna float through space until next Tuesday. Uh, somebody, I'm, I think I'm just gonna go to go to sleep until next Tuesday. Somebody wake me up when the next episode's ready to drop because, like, no, but then I can't hear like all the all the all of our friends talking about it and reading uh, reviews and stuff like that. So maybe I will. I'll just stay awake. Um, you know why? Another reason why you should stay awake. Wendy's has pumpkin spice frosties coming up. Let's go. <laughs> no, I mean like right now. Let's go. Okay, let's eat our feelings. We can eat our <laughs> our way till next Tuesday. All right. Well, that's going to do it then. Um, for Caleb and for Luke, this is Colby reminding you that it would be a huge help to us if you told some friends about our little podcast here. Uh, spread the love, spread the word. And also, if you feel like it, if you feel like spreading the word uh, by typing it, leave us a review on your podcast listening app of choice and hit us with a five-star review too, because that uh, is certainly a lot of help. So as always, thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. You can find The Colby Cast on Twitter and Instagram at The Colby Cast. If you're wordy, like me, you can send an email to thecolbycast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby cast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, Donkey. That'll do.